Welcome to another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Garcia. And on today's show, we're going to be joined by a very special guest. We're going to be joined by Chelsea Torres, who was part of the Project Spurs alumni, former Spurs Project Spurs alumni, and is now currently uh, a reporter for Chris TV and Corpus Christi. And she's also a diehard Spurs fan. So <laughs> it's an honor to have you with us today, Chelsea. No, Joe, it's an honor to even be here. Thank you so much for even asking me to join you today. I appreciate that. Oh, yeah. Like always, you know, I, I like to talk with other, you know, Spurs fans. And of course, you know, you're all the way now uh, moved, removed from San Antonio and now in Corpus yeah. Christi, but you're still a diehard. So that's that's amazing. Yeah. You know, I grew up born and raised San Antonio. And uh, so silver and black runs through my veins through and through and will always <laughs> that'll never change you know i was talking to you before we came in and started recording this episode and i thought it was so hilarious i was even talking with michael de Leon about it i had reached out to you and asked hey chelsea would you like to be a guest on the two shots podcast and then like shortly after i like oh i'm gonna watch the tony parker documentary and so i turn it on and it's not like not even like five minutes i guess into the <laughs> to the documentary and who do I see on TV? Chelsea Torres. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God. How did that even happen, Chelsea? Crazy. You know, Joe, I don't know how these things happen. Um, so the production company that created this documentary, they reached out to me and the station um, a few months back. I mean, sometime in 2019. I couldn't even tell you when, but it had to be sometime during the summer. And I saw, you know, what they were asking. They wanted to use a news clip of mine. They wanted to use, we also have um, a sports guy named Jeff Dubroff and they wanted to use some sports clips from him. And so I'm like, is this even legit? You know, when, when you're in news and you get, you have a news email, you get so many kinds of emails, just people reaching out about, Hey, I'm a PR person for this. And we want to do an interview about this. And, you know, I just, I didn't know if it was real. And I asked Jeff and he was like, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, I'll just send it to our news director. I sent it to the news director and he was like, I'll handle it. And from then I forgot about it. And then Tuesday night. So the documentary aired on Wednesday, Tuesday night, I get a message on Facebook and it's from San Antonio film critic. Um, and he's like, Hey, did you know that you're in this new Tony Parker documentary? And I'm like, what? <laughs> no. And uh, he sent me a screenshot of what it looked like when he paused it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. And then I've been getting texts and uh, people have asked me about it. And I'm like, yeah, it was a surprise. <laughs> I didn't know. But so, it's cool. A great surprise. Yeah. So now you're going to be all over the place, you know, not just <laughs> here in, in the States, but internationally as well, because there's fans that are all over the world that are going to be watching this documentary. So your face... And your reporting is going to be out there for everyone to see. And how cool is that? You know, it is wild. It's so cool. I think what's so cool about it is that, you know, I'm a San Antonio person. I'm a San Antonio girl. So, you know, they found a news segment, even though I'm in Corpus Christi, but I'm a San Antonio girl through and through. So I thought that was awesome that I get to represent, um, you know, and it's Tony Parker and it's just it's a sad situation overall with what happened to him, but you know, it's, I feel honored, honestly, it's really just a cool opportunity that, that came to be. Yeah. Did you get a chance to check out the documentary? I did. I watched it that night because by then I already had a lot of people telling me like, Hey, you're on here. And so I thought, well, maybe I'll eventually watch it, you know? And 
then that night um my roommate found out about it and she was like we have to watch it and I'm like okay so we watched it and that's when I was like whoa this is so cool and and shout out to Jeff too because the first voice that you hear it's a news voice and it's his voice so you hear him um you don't ever see him in the documentary but you hear him for the very first voice that you hear on the documentary and then he's on a little bit later maybe like 20 minutes uh before it actually ended you hear his voice again so i'm like dang and he's also from san antonio oh, wow. so it was just cool that they chose two san antonio people to represent i love that that is amazing but go ahead and share your first impressions though of the documentary, what did you think? Because it's basically showing the, I guess, what, what Tony Parker went through, you know, at, at such a, a young age and just his drive determination, you know, to to want to succeed and, you know, fulfill his dream of one day being in the NBA. And now that he went into the NBA, it's just like surpassed all his expectations, which was amazing to see him as a as a young child, you know, and then come all the way full circle to where he is now. I mean, what did you think about this documentary as a whole? Well, I thought the way that it was shot and edited was beautiful. It was um, it was just the actual over plot of the actual documentary was great. And I love that. Um, and I'm a huge documentary fan. And at first, let me tell you this, before I even started watching it, I read up on it first because I thought, okay, I knew that they were obviously, it's about Tony Parker, but is it going to be more so just about you know, him being traded? Um, is it going to be everything all together? Um, and so I saw an article that basically people were kind of comparing it to the last dance about Michael Jordan. And I watched all of that. And I think they compared it more so in the sense that, hey, this is a beautiful documentary that, you know, any NBA fan will love or any sports fan will love. Um, so again, I was really excited just to see, okay, how is it edited? How is it shot? How did they portray his life? And from the very beginning, I loved all of the um, young home videos of him shooting and him going to practices all the time and hearing from his dad and his mom. To me, I love that kind of stuff. I'm a big family person. And so knowing that he is also and seeing kind of how he came up that way was really cool. And then they had so many different kinds of interviews from everybody. Um, Kemba Walker, they had, of course, Michael Jordan in there, Tim Duncan, Pop, you know, Manu, of course, they're gonna have those, but they even had Kobe in there. And I thought that was so cool, because it's just, you know, it just goes to show the scope that Tony Parker had, um, his impact. Impact that he had on, um, on the game itself on in in the NBA. And and then, of course, you know, you kind of track it back to his the way that he was portrayed in, in France. And I thought that was cool because you you always hear with Manu how he was portrayed in South America. But to see Tony and the fans and how much they loved him, I just I love that. It just kind of, you know, again, I grew up San Antonio Spurs fan and the big three. I mean, that was just that's the legacy, the dynasty that we all know as Spurs fans. And so knowing when he left that day that I heard that he was going to be traded and just knowing that the big three is, is over. Well, it's cool to see now looking back that he had such a big fan base in France and that they still love him. And it's just like that here. So I'm glad that they did this documentary because I think it shed a lot of light on a lot of things that we didn't know. Yeah. One of the things that we didn't know, I think as 
as fans because we're not privy to what goes on behind the scenes with with the Spurs uh, mm-hmm. inner circle because that's the way it's always been. They they keep a they keep all that information tight to the vest, you know. So yeah. one of the things that was interesting is seeing the the passing of the guard, you know, or the flames, so to speak, from it being Tim Duncan's team to now it's Tony Parker's team and how impactful that was when they did lose to the Miami Heat. That was Tony Parker's team. And then the next year they came back and just dismantled the Miami Heat. That was Pony Tony Parker's team. He was the leader. I love that. And mm-hmm. to me, I I just I didn't quite understand what was happening. You know, at the time, you know, you're just appreciating everything that's unfolding. But to hear that story, the past, the changing of the guard to where it's Tony's team. And this is what Tony was able to do. I was just amazed at that. I mean, it was it was such a part of Spurs history that I think we take for granted at times. We didn't know how impactful Tony Parker was or how instrumental his leadership was to that 2014 championship, you know? Oh, no, I completely agree with that because I thought that was so cool to hear that. You know, you see the shot of him talking to Pop in the hallway and that's when Tony comes out and says, you know, yeah, I talked to Pop and he basically said it's time for me to take over and lead the torch and and have the torch and pass it on and keep going. And man, what a what a cool thing to know about Tony Parker and Pop and just to know about how that cohesiveness kind of came within the team and. Um, I mean, we all remember that 2013 season and that last game against the Heat with Ray Allen, something that I try to forget, and I know (laughs) I will never forget. (laughs) Um, But I think what's cool also is, you know, I got to be working for News 4. We were in the parking lot um, of that final game at the AT&T Center in 2014 when they won. And man, I just, it's that energy. It's just, that's, they, he said it perfectly in the documentary that San Antonio and, you know, the Spurs, that's, that's what they have. That's what San Antonio has and that's what they care about. And so it was nice to see that the torch was able to be passed down to Tony. Yeah. Another thing that I like seeing was the private party that Tony had after his re- yeah. retirement ceremony, you know, and then it says, this is Tony Parker's, we're at Tony Parker's private retirement uh, party that he had. And you get to see like all the family, his friends, uh, even NBA, you know, uh, players that were there, one of them being the great David Robinson, you yes. know, and he's just kind of <laughs> letting loose talking with Tony and you see Tony there, you know, with his family and his friends. And it's it's good to see that kind of camaraderie where they're not so have to be uh, so professional in front of the lens, in front of the media, talking to the, you know, the reporters and whatnot. It's just them being them. This is how they are when they're not in front of the camera. To me, that was very special to witness, you know, because we don't get to see any of that, you know? We never do. I think that's always my favorite part. Maybe that's why I love documentaries, because you really get to see the behind the scenes. You get to see how people are just away from everything, relaxed and having fun. And I mean, they're, they're a family, you know? So it's cool to see how they interact with each other. And I mean... I think another thing that I took away from this documentary is Tony Parker has a nice house. Like he does. <laughs> <laughs> what? I mean, he had a slide with like a oh, it was beautiful. And I thought I honestly didn't even know he still lived in San Antonio. Wow. I thought I thought he was back in um in France. France. And so when I saw his house and I thought, wow, oh man, he's doing just fine for himself. 
It's like he had a his own private water park. It's like a big yes. old cement mountain with slides and everything. I'm like, what is this? You know, I'll be adopted. I mean, what? <laughs> <laughs> How beautiful! I'd live there in a heartbeat. Yeah, and then you see the room that he has. He has like a, a thumb pad that he has to put his thumb on, and it oh. opens the trophy room, and you go in there, and you're like, oh man, this is nice. You know, I miss the thumb pad part, but the trophy room was beautiful. I mean, it's just like. It's everything you would think a millionaire NBA player's house would look like. Yeah. It was it was beautiful. It was beautiful. I, I love the whole documentary. I thought it was, you know, really well done from start to finish. Shows the, the complete gamut of Tony Parker's career. Uh, even the, the injury that he sustained in 2017. Came back from that, played another season with the Spurs, then went on to finish his career with the Charlotte Hornets, you know. But one of the things that it really shed light on is just how impactful uh, Tony Parker was to the game of basketball, not only here in the States, but also what it meant when he would win mm -hmm. to the people back home in France. He is one of the most decorated Frenchmen to ever play basketball in the NBA. And you don't understand the impact that has until you really watch the documentary. And he just means so much to these kids that are growing up that are idolizing him and they're saying instead of i want to be like michael jordan i want to be like tony parker and how yeah. he goes back to those and he has a camp you know and he has this school and he he kind of is imparting his knowledge and what he what he went through and what he can do kind of for the next generation of, of nba fans you know or nba players that's amazing you know it's it's so amazing and it's so cool that we got to have him here for so long and there's a whole other world in France where people are just watching his every move and looking up to him in that limelight that is beautiful and I think also which I knew this I knew that he had um, his own team you know women's and men's if I remember correctly yeah. and then of course he has his academy there and and all of that, but to see him as a businessman too, and knowing that he did do that while he was still playing, I mean, to me, that's that speaks volumes of just the kind of person he is, the character, the hard work that he shows. And, you know, I think, I don't remember who it was in the documentary that mentioned it, but it reminded me of Michael Jordan in The Last Dance when they made the comment, you know, Tony Parker, he'll get up at 5 a.m. to watch the games. Yeah. And, you know, he's studying every move and he's studying everything. To me, that shows his work ethic and not only did it show it on the court but it shows it off the court as well and that was again a behind the scenes kind of aspect that i love yeah i loved all of it you know and, and i just thought it was really well done and if you're watching this or you're listening to this podcast and you have not gone to see the tony parker documentary that is now available on netflix go and check it out you won't be disappointed there's a lot of nostalgia there and a lot of things you didn't know about tony parker that come to light here but it's in a good way. You know, it shows everything that happened with him. And even one of the things that I liked that I thought was kind of touching is how he started off with Boris Diaw. And they showed mm -hmm. him as kids and they're just like, you know, kind of dreaming. Tony's walking around showing off his his binder. These are my dreams. This is what I want to be. And they never thought that they would come full circle and become NBA champions and not let alone do it together. You know, and to me, that was like, wow. This is your buddy, you know, and it's mm -hmm. kids having fun. One day we're going to be in the NBA. One day we're going to be champions. And they were, you know, so how special is that for them? You know, isn't, isn't that wild to like yeah. think back, like 
for anybody, man, if I had, you know, I've known this one guy my entire life and we played ball together growing up. And now look at us, we're in college. Oh, now look at us, you know, we're in the NBA, like in America, chasing our dreams and then winning championships. I mean, it just, it really doesn't get much better than that. And that's, I love seeing that kind of relationship between Boris and Tony. And I already knew that when Boris came to the Spurs, but mm. well, I didn't know all everything, right? I didn't know the full scope, but I knew that they'd known each other and then seeing just seeing them play with each other and, and then going through all the obstacles and then winning that championship. That's just something that no one can take from you. And I'm glad we got to witness that as fans. Yeah. D- I, be honest with me. Cause I'm going to be honest mm-hmm. with you. Yeah. I got teared up. I, I got me Did choked you? up in the in the <laughs> end, especially because I'm a father, right? So I know mm-hmm. what it means when you're so proud of your children and what they accomplish. Mm-hmm. And you see his father there where they're giving him the medal. And he's talking and he's just, you know, saying, thank you. I, I appreciate everything you did to me. And his dad is this really pop proper guy you know dressed always dressed to the t's you know mm-hmm. it's like mr parker knows how to dress i like his oh, style yeah, you does. know it's like damn <laughs> and he's there standing you know and he's listening to his son and as soon as his son says that to him he's trying to hold back tears and then tony has to take a break he has to pause he needs a moment because he's trying not to break down in front of everybody he can't look at his family in the eye when he's talking because he knows he's going to lose it at any minute. And then even listening to his mom, because I'm a mama's boy. You know, I was raised by a single mom. And when his mama starts talking about him, oh, man, forget it. You know, and she's trying <laughs> to she's starting to tear up and she's talking so, you know, so dearly about her, her, her son and what he's done. And she's like, I'm proud of him. You know, it's like, oh, that that got me there. It's like that would make me cry, you know, for real. So did you shed a tear when you saw all these things? I did not shed physical tears, Joe, but um, I'll tell you this. I, again, like I mentioned at the beginning, I'm a family person and I talk to my parents every single day, you know, and, and they mean everything to me. They've supported me and sacrificed so I could chase after my dreams and do what I wanted to do. Um, so knowing that he got to experienced that with his parents and his parents did the same for him. And just, you know, I think they said at the beginning that I don't remember details exactly, but didn't his dad like have him basically going to practice like every single day and they're practicing constantly. And, you know, that just shows a lot again, building that character of work ethic, I think is very important. Um, But it obviously, I mean, he executed that. And so his parents were able to see that. And I think you're right as a parent. That's so amazing to see your child just strive for something, work so hard and eventually get there. So I I love seeing that emotion. Yeah. To me, that was that was very special. We get to see Tony Parker as a son, you know, Mm -hmm. and you get to see his parents and what they went through so he could chase his dream, like you said, and then just be so proud of him and then to be there. To, you know, to witness him having his jersey, you know, oh, raised yeah. to the rafters, you know, it's like I would have been there in the crowd. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I know. If I was there, I would definitely be crying for yeah. sure. <laughs> you know, it, it's it was just so great. I, I love the documentary, you know. So what, what would you give it if you have to rate it out of five stars, Chelsea? Out of five? Honestly, 
I would say five, but that's me being very biased. <laughs> and that's only being biased as a Spurs fan, not uh, at all because I, you see my face in it, but as a Spurs fan, because um, what's funny is I'm my roommate. She's a Rockets fan and she actually worked for the Rockets for a little while. And so she even said to me, like, why would they do a documentary about Tony Parker? And I'm like, like, you know, of all players. And I think a lot of people that are NBA fans that are from America might think the same thing. Like, really, Tony Parker? Why would Netflix make a documentary of them? But, you know, it's not like Netflix was the one who necessarily asked for this, I guess. I don't know how that works. But I know it was the French production company. And that just goes to show on the other side of the water, I mean, he has, he, his kind of uh, celebrity status is different than it is here. Yeah. And so I think that also helps push the documentary to five stars, in my opinion, because it's like, he's not just, you know, a big guy here in Texas, but across the world. Yes. And, you know, editing and all of that, you know, I like to look at that stuff because that's what I do. And so to me, I thought all of that was perfectly done. So I would give it five stars. Yeah, I'd probably give it five stars as well because the editing was beautifully done. Even the cinematography, mm -hmm. they did a, an amazing job. It just looked so good from start to finish. And I'm with you. I do a lot of my own editing and all that kind of stuff. And it's a labor of love. People uh -huh. don't see all the hours you spend behind the computer Trying mm -hmm. to edit even an hour show takes so long. 30 minutes takes so long. I mean, it really is a labor of love, you know? It is. You got it. You really have to enjoy it and love what you do to sit there and stare at a computer for a long period of time. And then, you know, you you get so creative with it and you want it to be perfect. And it's just, it's a lot of work. It's a grind. <laughs> it is, but it's worth it. It's fun. So we're both yeah. giving the documentary five stars so that they're... There you have it. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's well worth your time. So moving on here, we're going to go ahead and talk about the San Antonio Spurs, which is All why right. we're here. So over the course of the last couple of games, we've had the San Antonio Spurs uh, go up against the Utah Jazz, which they got beat handedly. You know, the Jazz really just diced them up, had their way with them, and they just shot lights out from beyond the arc. The Spurs lost this game 130 to 109. Mm -hmm. It was a very hard lesson uh, for a lot of these younger players who are now part of the Spur of the Spurs team uh, to go through. You know, you need adversity, and I think at times and during this game, you could see that the inexperience was was rearing its ugly head. You know, and that's okay. I was fine with the loss. It was an ugly loss, yes. You know, the Spurs just couldn't get out there and and really do anything to, to you know guard the three effectively there was no perimeter defense uh the jazz just had their way with them the spurs had issues because the jazz just moved the ball so well during that game the ball movement was chef's kiss you know it's yes. just like it's beautiful <laughs> to watch you know and the spurs just didn't have an answer for it but the silver lining that i took from this it's a learning experience and that's one of the things that i think goes unnoticed a lot by spurs fans is i told them coming into this season this season is going to be a season of learning. It's going to be yeah. a season of growth. It's not so much the emphasis is on making the playoffs. Coach Pop kind of said that in the beginning uh, before the season started. Really, it's a season of growth. It's a season to watch these younger players get the experience that they need to help this team get better and eventually make a run into the playoffs. If they were to make the playoffs this season, 
it would just be a byproduct of them coming together and learning out there and really showing full circle how they came in kind of inexperienced and learning as the season went on. So given this game against the Jazz where they lost 130 to 109, I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take a win or a loss, Chelsea, as long as the effort is there. And it really wasn't there against it the wasn't. Jazz. But then they come and they play the Clippers. And mm-hmm. everyone left them for dead. There's no way that they're going to beat the Clippers. And lo and behold, the basketball gods do us a solid. And <laughs> Paul George isn't available. It's just the dreaded number two, Kawhi Leonard. You know? Yep. And the Spurs go up by 20-plus points. And Spurs fans are like, oh, my God, look at this team. I love this. I love this team. I love them. You know, they're pushing the pace. They're running. They look so good in the open court. Everybody's playing so well. Look at FIBA Patty, you know, 20-plus points, just draining threes all over the place. Third quarter comes around. It's always the third quarter. Always the third quarter with the Spurs. It's our Achilles heel. They... They just all the lead all but evaporates, but somehow, some way, they find the stops they need near the end of the game when it mattered to come out with the win. And the same thing happened with the Lakers. You know, they get this lead, and of course, it's the Lakers. We know they're going to make a run sooner or later, and eventually, they made a run. You know, and that that happened again in the third quarter. I'm like, again, yep. Chelsea, third quarters. But again, the Spurs found stops when they needed to, to come out with the win. And they defeat the Lakers 118 to 109. Over the course of these three games, it's kind of like we've gone through the full gamut of emotion. You know, the lows lows and the highs, you know, Mm -hmm. what can you take away from these three games and, and, and really tell Spurs fans, what is it that really stood out to you during this these these three games and especially during these this two game winning streak? Okay, well, it was nice to break the snap of the losing streak to get these few wins and then we've been winning ever since. So, you almost start thinking at the beginning of the season again, it's still early, but you're like, "Dang, is this going to be another one of last year?" You know, we don't need that. At least now with these last couple of wins, last few wins, it's looking promising. Like, oh, this is how they, when they're playing well and everybody's cohesive, things look good. This is how we should be playing. Um, You know, I think we've noticed with the NBA over the past few years, it's becoming more of a deep shooting game. All right. We've we've seen that in big guys. So I think it helps that um, right now, you know, we have Keldon Johnson, who they call big body. That's what we need. More guys like him, you know, on the court that are big bodied. I um, DeJounte Murray also has had a couple of good games. It was nice to see Patty shooting from three and really making those shots. That's just more of what the Spurs need. So I think if they can be consistent, and I think that's always the downfall is that they're not, they, can, they can't be consistent at least past couple of seasons. And so far this season, we've seen that is that they haven't been consistent. But when they're able to drop those threes from deep and when they're able to really play good defense and rattle like the Lakers, defending champs with LeBron, that's what we need to be doing. Um, or should I say we, I don't know, but... Uh, that's what the Spurs should be doing moving forward to, especially, you know, moving forward to what is it tomorrow night with the Timberwolves and yeah, back um, to back Saturday and Sunday. And Timberwolves are two and six. So it's like, it would make sense for the Spurs not to lose. They should win these next two games, (laughs) but I feel like in typical Spurs fashion, um, it might come out to 
one win, one loss. I, but I'm, I'm hoping not. I just I'm thinking realistically. You you you're thinking like no, you're thinking like me, you know. And this is the thing because I have to do this predictability thing, right? Because I'm part of this website called TallySite, and TallySite mm-hmm. uh, is you know they have all these esteemed meet uh, people of the press that come in and give their predictions for upcoming games. You know, you mm-hmm. got people from ESPN, Fox Sports Southwest, FS1, you know, all from all over the nation. And everybody goes in here and, and really says, okay, this is what we think is going to happen for these upcoming games. And they have me labeled there as a Spurs uh, insider for this information. So I had to give my take early this morning. So I go in there and I'm like, you know, I predict that the Spurs are going to win this mm-hmm. game on Saturday, but I'm just like you. I think they're going to wind up splitting. It's going to, they're going to go one and one because if we go by history in typical Spurs fashion, they can, you know, look great against the Lakers, against the Clippers, and then they just come in against subpar 500 teams and they just get blown out the water because yeah. of inconsistency, inconsistency. So I think the first game, they're still going to have some of that magic. They're going to be off of that two game high, you know, and they're going to find a way to win. I think the game might be a little bit closer than most people would like. I predicted mm-hmm. the score was going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of 123 to 110, but they're going to wind up getting a win. However, on Sunday, I don't know what's going to happen on that game because you got to face it. They're coming in, playing these games, right? And they're late games. Fatigue has to set in at some point in time. Yes. And, you know, let's see what happens against this first game against the Timberwolves. If they lead the entire game, great. If they have to come from behind to win, that tells you all you need to know. The amount of energy that they can expunge to come back into the game, both from a defensive perspective and an offensive perspective, will show up in the second game of a back-to-back. And that's exactly what I think will happen. That's why I'm predicting that split. You know, I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I'm a realist just like you. <laughs> and, and that's what I, I've learned that over the years. You know, before, back, so when I was doing Project Spurs, that was... Oh, 2015, I think. And um, a lot of new guys coming in. It was obviously after the Spurs had won their 2014 championship. And so, you know, you're just as a fan, you're on a high all the time. And you love that. Um, But the past couple of years, you've kind of just been like, okay, like what you said earlier, you know, this season is more of a learning season. And that's what we're learning. We have a lot of young guys um, that seem to know the game very well and have that high basketball IQ that Pop looks for. And it's just a matter of making sure that they can mesh well with Spurs basketball. And right now they're playing a lot of small ball, which, you know, it seems to be working out well. It seemed to work out well in the bubble in Orlando. So let's hope that uh, they can continue with a good consistency moving forward. Yeah, so I was going to ask you something too, because mm-hmm. you've you've watched a handful of games this season, and you know mm-hmm. what what all the the buzz is about on social media and whatnot. Um, what player in particular from this team, from the San Antonio Spurs, has really surprised you this year? I think there's two players, um, and. I'll go with my first one, which is uh, David Vassell, rookie. And I think what I like about him, Devin Vassell, I think what I like about him so much is that he kind of embodies that um, perfect 
almost perfect NBA player that we're looking for right now. You know, he can shoot those threes. Um, a consistent deep shooter, again, because we've seen in the NBA, that's almost what, you know, it seems like more of winning basketball happens deep. And then, of course, just making good defensive plays. So I like that about him. Now, is that a surprise as a first-round pick coming from Florida State? Maybe not as a huge surprise, but I like that the way Pop has been utilizing him. Um, my other player would, and this isn't really probably a big surprise to many Spurs fans, but Patty Mills. He's just kind of had some pretty good, uh, he had that great breakout game against the Clippers. Not only that, but um, I feel like, do I want to say that he's been necessarily consistent the past few years? Maybe not, but I do, I like seeing all of the, um, off-season work that he was doing. I followed him a lot on social media this past couple years. And so for me, um, I just like seeing that. So as a player, that probably surprised me the most. Okay. Well, I like your picks. You know, I think Patty has been playing, even like he stated before the season started, he was going to be playing FIBA Patty style. And he yes. has been. You know, mm -hmm. he's been amazing to watch uh, when he comes in and uh, with that second unit and he kind of picks up the, the point guard position and the energy that he plays with, his ability to knock down perimeter jumpers, uh, knock down threes, uh, being aggressive, you know, kind of drawing the the team's defense into the interior and then kind of kicking out to whoever else is open, dishing out to, you know, maybe somebody cutting uh, to the basket without, you know, without the ball, of course. And you just love all that energy that he's putting forth from an offensive perspective. And then on the defensive end, He's been quite good as well. He's mm -hmm. he even drew a charge against the king himself, LeBron James, you know, yes. in that fourth quarter. I was like, Patty Mills, <laughs> you know, that's what we need, though. It's the gr aggression and the hustle. That's I feel like that's what's going to get you those wins. You have to hustle for everything. And I love seeing that in Patty. He he's just he's hungry for it. And I love that about him. Yeah, I've loved it, too. I've loved every minute of seeing FIBA Patty out there on full <laughs> display for everybody. But I'm going to tell you my pick of, okay. of a Spurs player who actually stood out to me this season was somebody who Spurs fans kind of left for dead. Uh, they had zero expectations. They were ready to trade him. Let's get rid of him. And that's not LaMarcus Aldridge. That is one DeJounte Murray. DeJounte ah. Murray has been making a lot of these Spurs fans eat crow, you know, and they, they gave him a lot of flack because he had one bad game you know, this far early in the season. It's okay that that happens in, in the gamut of, of playing a, a regular NBA season. We have a shortened season by 10 games, which is 72 games this this coming season. But you like what you're seeing out there from one DeJounte Murray. He's making better decisions with the ball. He's playing stellar defense. He's rebounding the ball really well. You love the aggression. You love the fact that he's able to shoot threes. And just his decision-making overall has gotten better. You know, you would have thought that the Spurs would have been in, in a worse position than they actually are because we don't have Derek White. And historically, when you go back into the last, uh, I guess, two seasons, you're looking at the comparison between Derek White and DeJounte. And it was pretty evident to Spurs fans that Derek White was the better of the two as far as a point guard, being able to distribute the ball, making better decisions. Right now... DeJounte is coming into his own. And I, I love that because that only means that when we do get Derek back, this team's going to have one hell of a backcourt, you know, and both Derek and DeJounte on the court. Then you have Keldon out there. Yes. I'm going to be like that guy, you know, from years ago, Nombre, shut up. 
You know, it's like, <laughs> come on, you know? But it's true, though. Yeah. When, when you have these young guys, that's exactly like you said, it's a learning season. And so we just need to build these guys up, keep having them do what they're doing, learning and figuring out the best way to handle the ball on the court. And I anticipate, if not next year, the year after, given, you know, that we keep a lot of these key players and they're doing what they're doing under pop. Um, we could have some stellar, stellar seasons in the coming years. Yeah. So that was my pick. You gave us your pick. I like it. Yeah. So prediction, uh, before we go ahead and start bringing this to a close, what do you think the Spurs are going to do this season? Do you think that they're going to go ahead and make a run and they're going to wind up making the playoffs by being a legitimate seventh or eighth seed? Or do you think that the Spurs are going to have to play to get into the tourney? Meaning that they might be hovering around that 10th, 9th seed where they have to actually yeah. win to get in, you know? To get in, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to say I think I'll be fairly realistic as much as I like the past few wins. Um, and again, it's early, but I think this is a good time to make these predictions. I want to say that they're probably going to have to fight a little bit. And I only say that because, again, when you're talking about um, the way that the team looks on paper or even just looking at them, um, big-bodied guys, deep shooting. And I feel like that's going to be the key components. Those are going to be the X factors moving into at least the Western Conference uh, playoffs. So I'm going to say they're going to have to fight a little bit. Okay, I, I like your prediction because you're kind of <laughs> right around the the mindset that I'm thinking. You know, while they're going to look good and they're going to be competitive, I think they're going to be more competitive than they were in the prior season just because the inflection of, of youth that they have inserted into this, you know, starting lineup and coming off the bench with the mixture of veterans. You know, I think it's a, a really good balance on, on both the, the starting five and the bench players. So I think they can be competitive. But at the end of the day, there's a lot of inexperience there. And I said, this is a season of growth. If they do make the playoffs, that's just a byproduct. I think the focus is on growth and development this season. So again, I, I think they're probably going to be hovering right around that ninth, maybe 10th where they have to play to get in. It is what it is. Hopefully they can win, you know, and we'll be treated to something special this season, a little taste of what's to come, you know? So I, I hope they're able to make the playoffs and wouldn't they look good though, making the playoffs in their Fiesta yeah, jerseys. Joe, a perfect world, they'd be 2021 champs. (laughs) So, man, I would I would love to see that, especially with those Fiesta jerseys. We the people finally got what they've been asking for all this time. So it would be nice if uh, those jerseys can make its playoffs. I know I would be wearing my Fiesta jersey and especially would mean so much more if the Spurs were in the playoffs. We had Fiesta and we get to wear a Fiesta jersey. I just need my chicken on my stick. That's it. Yes, that sounds so good. All of that sounds perfect. Yeah. I hope I hope that happens. <laughs> I do too, because you know you know all too well Fiesta in San Antonio. One of the things is you better wear the stretchy pants because when you go yep. out, you smell the food right away, so you know you're gonna peck on the pounds. <laughs> Absolutely, I get me my funnel cakes, chicken on a stick. I like going to oyster bake so I can get some of that Cajun food. I like to do it all. And I was just talking to somebody from here that used to live in San Antonio, and I was like, you know, it's what I miss is Fiesta. Like mm-hmm. you take off the whole week, 
you that's your vacation you know for that time frame and what do you do you just go to every fiesta event and go all over town i mean that's what you do and i miss that so much i do too one of my favorite things is niosa and the beignets i love the beignets at niosa i've never had the beignets they're so good they're so good (laughs) they get you in trouble because they're so light and then they put the powdered sugar on there and you're already drinking a beer you got an alcoholic beverage in your hand and you're talking with your friends and before you know it, you're like, what happened to my beignets? Well, you <laughs> ate them all. You They're know, all you got to go get more. <laughs> That's true. Hey, I don't mind that at all. Yeah. I'm going to have to try those, though. I haven't tried the beignets yet. Yeah, try them. They're right when you walk in. They have like a little area and it's right off to the right side. It used to be. And they used to sell the beignets right there. It's a really small stand. You'll you'll if you blink, you'll miss it. But it's right okay. there. It's so good. I'm telling you. I usually scan everything, so I'll make sure I do that next time. (laughs) So before we go ahead and bring this to an end, where can the people find you, you know, on social media? And more importantly, where can they find uh, your your stellar news reporting over at Chris TV? (laughs) Yeah, so um, you can go to ChrisTV.com. Uh, or if you're in the Coastal Bend area, or even if you have the Chris 6 app, I do anchor Saturday and Sunday mornings. And from 6 to 7 a.m., so I'm sure you're probably sleeping. But if you happen to be up, you can watch during that time. Um, social media, I'm on Instagram. I'm on, what is my Instagram? I think my Instagram is just Yes, I'm Chelsea. So it's very simple. And my Twitter is Chelsea Torres TV, I think. And I'm on Facebook as well. You can just l- literally type in Chelsea Torres and you should see my face eventually pop up. So, however, I will warn you, if you try to Google Chelsea Torres, you will find Fernando Torres from the Chelsea soccer team, pages and pages and pages of him. So that'll, you'll have to kind of search if you're actually looking for me on Google. (laughs) Yeah. So make sure you go and follow uh, Chelsea on on social media, especially on Twitter, because she likes Spurs. So maybe you can kind (laughs) of fill her in on what's happening. Maybe when she's busy on her, on, you know, doing her reporting. She can't follow, so maybe somebody update her and let her know what's happening. <laughs> I would love that. That'd be so nice. That's what I need. I need somebody to constantly update me so I can at least keep up. Yep, there you go. So you can also follow me, you know, at Two Shots Podcast, and it's 2TWO, not the number two, but TWO, Two Shots Podcast. And I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also on YouTube. And I also do a little show that we just started, too. With uh, the former voice, the PA announcer of the San Antonio Spurs, one Jonathan Sanford, uh, and our good friend Ty Yeager, and our other good friend Jonas Clark, uh, we do a show called At The Line. And it's happening every time, every time after any Spurs games. So make sure you go ahead and check us out as we live stream on Twitch, on YouTube, and on Facebook. So we'd be happy to talk anything and everything that's related to the world of the San Antonio Spurs with you especially getting those reactions after the games. That's that's amazing to have the fans call in and so we can talk with them. So for Chelsea Torres, I'm Joe Garcia. Thank you for listening and watching another episode of the Two Shots Podcast. And like we always say, spread the love, stop the hate, be kind. We're out. Peace. <laughs>